get into this book. Yeah. Because he spent a lot of time on it yeah, today when it was due. This was a bit tricky. Yeah, well, look. <laughs> I have had a busy week. <laughs> Play us in, Sandy. I Am a Cat by Soseki Natsume. No, you bitch. What show was this? <laughs> <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> Play us out, Sandy. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> we're, we're literature. And and that woman over there. That woman. <laughs> that just sounds like very derogatory. That woman. <laughs> That's Sam and I am Sandy. And we're going to be looking at a book called I Am a Cat by uh, a man named Soseki Natsume, who published this uh, novel in serialized form. In 1905 and uh, and six, so just that's uh, Meiji era Japan, the Meiji Restoration. We've got an emperor again. No more samurai. What? Just trains. Oh. And I guess they're kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as cool as samurai, though. Hey. <laughs> um. So just a heads up, if mm. our listeners have have noticed already, mm-hmm. Sandy loves anime. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're doing a Japanese book. So what I'm trying to say is, um, <laughs> watch out. Watch out. So, All right. Train Japan era. Train Japan era. What's um, the year? 1905 and 6. Okay. So turn of the century. Uh, not long after freaking. No, that Gregor. was 1910, bro. That was ni- not long before. Oh, before, yeah. Not long before Gregor. So um, maybe this happened, and then Kafka was like, you know what would be crazy? Instead of a cat. <laughs> instead of a cat, I, I am, am a, a bug. <laughs> I am a bug, and I am pretty biffed about it. <laughs> I am pretty annoyed. So this book satirizes the lives of middle-class intellectuals in Tokyo. Oh my god. Yes, from anime. the point of view of a cat living amongst them. <laughs> anime. <laughs> <laughs> Is it not? Is it's this not. not why the reason you chose this godforsaken book? <laughs> Don't call it godforsaken. It's quite nice, actually. God f- for loving. <laughs> for loving. <laughs> God for loving. Um, the first line of the book is, I am a cat. Oh. However, uh, the phrasing in Japanese is hard to translate. Similarly to Metamorphosis last week. And to um, anime, yes. And anime, yes. <laughs> so the uh so what the actual line is is wagahai wa neko de aru so oh. i probably pronounced that yeah why'd well. you do that um because <laughs> it's a way of saying i am a cat like i am a that part mm. that a nobleman or an emperor might use ah. okay so it's like reflecting this cat's very high opinion of himself well good yeah exactly so it's like it's oh a bit God. silly for uh for a cat to use uh, uh, that silly or accurate yeah absolutely appropriate um so like people talk about like a, maybe a more accurate english translation would be like me the cat like <laughs> i <laughs> yeah. the cat or <laughs> well, something like that all right i'm so, on anyway, board yeah the cat starts off by explaining that he doesn't have a name what the first thing that he remembers is meowing in sort of a dampish unpleasant place when he sees a human being for the first time he remarks that the face of the human being is bald as a kettle, which he thinks is a dreadful deformity. <laughs> <laughs> this is the tone that we're going to be going for. Like, humans? Disgusting. Y- yikes, yeah. <laughs> um, the human picks him up and then throws him away. What? I know, throws so him- mean. Oh, oh, this is just all of our company. <laughs> it is. Oh my god, the That's next line. That's not fair. You know how much I cry during all of our company. <laughs> you might cry in this. 
I might not. You also. might not though, as well. I'll okay. kill you. Um, so he's lost. He doesn't know where his basket of brothers is no! or his mother. So he tries to uh. pick his way through prickly bamboo grass. Uh. <laughs> She's already crying. Basket of brothers. What is this? The band of brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but make it kittens. We'll make it kittens. Oh what are you doing, Brent? Speaking of kittens. Oh, relax. relax. Oh, yeah. Watch out for your mic cord. <laughs> mm. True. True, true, true. Okay. Oh, good. So, okay. yeah. So, he's picking his way through pick, prickly bamboo grass, uh, though he can barely keep his eyes open because oh, he's a God. kitten. He's I don't a- understand. Why did someone pick him up from the thing and throw and him? throw him because they're evil. <sighs> he's hungry, so he follows the smell of humans through a gap in a bamboo fence okay. and remarks from his point of view as an older cat. Um, like he's recollecting his early <laughs> memories. That uh, this gap has since served him as a shortcut to his neighbor's tortoise shell. So more on that later. But anyway, it starts oh, cat. raining. Okay, I was like... Yeah, like, tortoiseshell cat. Not an actual tortoiseshell. I was like, what a crazy thing for a cat to be into. <laughs> my... Uh, my wares. My, my collection. My treasures. <laughs> it starts raining, and he's really hungry, so he crawls to where it's brighter and warmer. <laughs> he doesn't realize it, but he's now inside the property for the first time. <gasps> Trespassing. The servant woman of the household, named Osan, comes across him and grabs him by the scruff of the neck and throws him out of the house. What? Ever no! since that moment, he says, he has found this Osan person disgusting. Good, she is. <laughs> he crawls back and she flings him out again, and this is repeated oh. several times. Cancel her. Cancel her. <laughs> before, Right before she is about to fling him out for the final time, the master of the house enters. His name is Sensei Kushami. Um, or in the English translation, they call him Professor Sneeze. <laughs> Professor <laughs> um, Sneeze. Yeah. But his full name in Japanese like translates to lazy teacher. Oh, okay. You can get a sense of who he is. Uh, the servant complains. So Osan complains that the cat keeps coming back in. Because it's cold and hungry. Mm-hmm. Oh Professor God. Sneeze says, then let it stay. There we go. And this is how our nameless cat comes to live in the Sneeze household. Sneeze household. <laughs> <laughs> so Sneeze is in his mid-30s. He is of average build, has a pockmarked face, uh, sports a big handlebar moustache, and oh suffers God. from dyspepsia. So he has like stomach troubles. Uh, who doesn't though? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, We're true all though. Professor true Sneeze. We are <laughs> deep in our souls. Yes, we are all Professor Sneeze. He wears the Japanese dress of the Meiji period, which is a bowler hat and a Hauri jacket over a kimono, so like a little cross between um, like Western and, and Japanese uh, dress. Yeah, for the trains. For the trains, exactly. You got it. He has a wife and three small daughters. The youngest is a baby. Um, and he's quite a reclusive person. He shuts himself in his study on returning home from school and he tries to read, but he invariably falls asleep. Okay, you are Professor Sneeze. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? The cat reflects that if he had to be a human, he would be a teacher because it seems like they have it pretty easy since Sneeze gets to sleep all day. He thinks he might not even need to be a human to be able to carry it off. Professor Sneeze, more like Professor Snooze. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Uh, the cat likes to sit on his back during his afternoon siesta. Uh, other places he likes to sleep are on the warm rice container in the morning. Perfect. The quilted food uh, foot warmer. Mm-hmm. And on the veranda in the sun. All right. On a nice really day. good option. However, there. his favorite place to sleep is snuggling down between the children. Oh. oh, I know. He tries to only do this, though, when they are deeply asleep because if they wake up, they cry noisily. <laughs> and then Sneeze rushes in and whacks him with a ruler. God damn it. Yeah. Despite the fact that he likes to snuggle with, the cat, with them, the cat really actually hates the children. Oh. 
He just likes the body warmth. Yeah, yeah he. Uh, they like to hang him upside down. What? <laughs> from where? Uh, from his tail or his legs, I guess. They like to stuff him into a paper bag. <laughs> they like swing him around and slam him into the kitchen range. <laughs> They're babies. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, he determines from all of this uh, that humans are fundamentally selfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's more, when he tried to sharpen his claws on the tatami mat, he got in so much trouble that they won't even let him in that room anymore, which is so unfair. Well, it's... That's not where you scratch your claws. Well, he, how is he to know? By that. So nice for scratching. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you know. That's how you learn. Get him a scratch post. Post yeah. haste. Post haste. <laughs> There's a white cat across the road who recently gave birth to kittens. Wait, how um, old is he now? Oh, he's old now, but he's recollecting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and tearfully told our narrator cat that someone took them and threw them in the pond. What? Drowned the kittens. What? Our cat resolves that total cat war is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. Across A bag of kittens. Yeah. Drowned. A- another cat across the road, a three-colored tomcat, reflects that humans have no respect for private property and regularly take away the nice things he finds to eat. <laughs> Despite his opinions on the impending total war between humans and cats, our cat is a bit too lazy to actively pursue cat justice. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, which is very fair. Also, the kittens are currently playing, so which what is appropriate, but you might hear that. I've got a quote from this section. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Relying on their naked strength, they coolly rob us of things which are rightly ours to eat. Miss Blanche uh, lives in the house of a military man, and the Tomcats, and the Tomcats master is a lawyer. But since I live in a teacher's house, I take matters of the sort rather more lightly than they. I feel that life is not unreasonably unreasonable so long as you can scrape along from day to day. For surely even human beings will not flourish forever. I think it best to wait in patience for the day of the cats. So he, yeah, he can't really be bothered. Uh, but he's like, one day. One day. <laughs> you'll all see. We'll drown your children. <laughs> <laughs> one day it will be you getting thrown across the range hood. Okay. The cat introduces the next vignette by mentioning that his master is not really good at anything. <laughs> but, but can't help trying his hand at everything. For example, haiku and new style poetry. I'm trying to submit them to literary magazines. Aww. We get the sense that Sneeze is actually Soseki, who was also a miserable school teacher with stomach problems. Aww. Yeah. Professor Sneeze. Uh, Sneeze likes reciting things on the toilet and has earned himself the nickname the Maestro of the Water Closet as a result. Once uh, the cat reflects, he got obsessed with watercolors and brought a whole bunch of supplies home, but didn't seem satisfied with his own efforts uh, as he invited his esthete friend around for his opinion. Oh. So his friend, whose name is Meite, or Meite, literally means puzzling tower in mm. Japanese, which they translate into English as Waver House. So this guy, Waver House, is a pathological liar oh, no. <laughs> who wears gold rim glasses. Uh, and he tells Sneeze that a famous painter, Andrea del Sarto, uh, an Italian painter, insisted on painting from life, you know, in the field. Uh, the cat can tell that Waver House is fucking with Sneeze, but Sneeze cannot tell. Oh my god, why can't he tell Sneeze? Like, <laughs> okay. The next day, as the cat is lying in the sun, Sneeze comes over and starts sketching him. At first, uh, at first our cat tries Titanic. to stay still uh, to help his master in his efforts, but eventually he needs to pee, so he gets up. <laughs> and he is rewarded with his master cursing at him. Oh. And he's like, I did my best! It's not my fault you draw so slow. <laughs> I need to pee. The cat goes over to look at the painting and says, and this is a quote, I confess that, considering cats as works of art... I'm far from being a collector's piece. I certainly do not think that my figure, my fur, or my features are superior to those of other cats. 
But however ugly I may be, there's no conceivable resemblance between myself and that queer thing which my master (laughs) is creating. He's like, listen, I know who I am. I'm not hot. (laughs) And yet. First of all, the colouring is wrong. My fur, like that of a Persian, bears tortoiseshell markings uh, on a ground of yellowish pale grey. It is a fact beyond all argument. Sounds like Twinkie. Yeah, he's a bit cookies and cream. Cookies or cream. You must choose absolutely each time. (laughs) It is a fact beyond all argument. Yet the colour which my master has employed is neither yellow nor black, neither grey nor brown, nor is it any mixture of those four distinctive colours. All one can say is that the colour used is a sort of colour. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the nicest thing he can think to say about that <laughs> he's like well it's something okay the cat thinks the sensei's reaction to the cat getting up reflects very poorly on him indeed and on all humans who are certainly fundamentally selfish creatures Wait. and this reminds him of a report he heard about humans that was even more deplorable uh, from a local cat named Rickshaw Blackie <laughs> so he met Rickshaw Blackie one day uh, when he was taking a shortcut behind his uh, shortcut from his backyard across a small tea plantation. There he saw an enormous and glossy black cat fast asleep on a pile of crushed chrysanthemums. Our narrator says Blackie had the most impressive physique, uh, looking like an emperor of catdom, easily Ooh. twice the narrator's size. Unfortunately, Blackie wakes up to find our narrator staring at him and asks, who the hell are you? Oh, no. Turns out Blackie is very coarse and not elegant at all. Oh, no. Our narrator introduces himself and Blackie comments that he's a bit scrawny. When Blackie introduces himself, he does so with gusto and pride. He gets his name uh, for the rickshaw garage where he lives and is renowned as quite a tough customer in the neighborhood. Our cat wants to know how cultured and educated Blackie is, so he asks him who he thinks is better, a rickshaw owner or a professor. (laughs) What do you think? Blackie responds that the rickshaw owner is better, of course, because he is tougher. Our cat says Blackie must eat well, and Blackie confirms his theory and invites him along with him. He says within a month, our cat would get so fat that no one would recognize him. Our cat expresses interest in this idea, but he remarks that the teacher's house is larger and nicer than the rickshaw owner's. Blackie scoffs at this, arguing that the size of the house won't fill an empty belly. (laughs) He's not a sizist, you know. And he asks how many rats our cat has caught. Our cat is a bit embarrassed, despite considering himself something of an intellectual. He replies (laughs) that he's never caught a rat. It's because he's not a jock, all right? He's an intellectual type. He's sensitive. Boy. (laughs) He gets rats caught for him, okay? (laughs) He pays people like Rickshaw Blackie to catch the rats for him. Blackie laughs at him and brags about all the rats he's killed. And then he complains that all the rats he catches are stolen by his master and turned into the police. <laughs> the police. I think there must be a rat problem and they like have an incentive to like uh. you know, kill, kill rats. Blackie then complains that humans are thieves. Our cat agrees with Blackie but decides that he won't take Blackie up on his offer to go around with him and he isn't really interested in catching rats. He's like, I don't want to do that. Like, in theory, yeah, kind of cool. <laughs> kind of like the cat-human war, right? He's like, yeah, I get it, but... like, but I, I get to, it, but I want to nap. I have to nap know? right now, yeah. <laughs> I just, I simply must. <clears throat> uh, he prefers his cozy teacher life of naps, though he thinks he better watch out that he doesn't become dyspeptic like his master. <laughs> that he, he shouldn't get stomach troubles like his master. So Way the House comes back, and we learn a little bit more about him. He admits to Sneeze that he made up that stuff about Andrea Del Sarto. <laughs> and the cat remarks, that This esthete, so Way the House, is the sort of man whose sole pleasure lies in bamboozling people by conversation consisting entirely of humbug. 
The other day... Oh, and this is what uh, Way the House says. The other day, I told a certain undergraduate that Nicholas Nickleby had advised Gibbon to cease using French for the writing of his masterpiece, The History of the French Revolution, and indeed had persuaded Gibbon to publish it in English. Now, this undergraduate was a man of almost eidetic memory, and it was especially amusing to hear him repeating what I told him word for word and in all seriousness to a debating session of the Japan Literary Society. Oh, no. And do you know there were nearly 100 in his audience, and all of them sat listening to his drivel with the greatest enthusiasm. Oh, no. (laughs) So he's a... He's a rascal. He's 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 crazy. <laughs> he's got to be stopped. <laughs> he must be stopped. <clears throat> yeah. So he's the villain. <laughs> this liar. Sneeze is shocked and asks what way the house would do if he were found out. Like if someone had actually read the book. <laughs> Where the house brushes brushes it off. I'd be like, I'll deal with it if it happens. <laughs> but for now, basically, and he says he'd say he'd like mistaken one book for another or something. Like he oh doesn't give God. a shit. He'll just gaslight them. And be like, I exactly. I can't remember. What do you? Yeah. Mean? No one recorded no this one conversation. Said that. <laughs> There's no cameras in here. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> and the cat thinks Where the house is not unlike Rickshaw Blackie, you know, insofar as he is very smug and self satisfied. Time passes. Since New Year's Day, we learn that our cat has acquired a modest celebrity amongst his master's acquaintances. Oh. One friend, an actual painter, sends a New Year's card with a portrait of a cat on it. Although Sneeze is unable to recognize it even as a cat, but our cat immediately knows it is a portrait of his handsome self. And he pities his master, his lack of artistic sensibilities. <laughs> the cat says, uh, the proof that he has not attained enlightenment is that, although he has my portrait under his nose, he shows no sign of comprehension, but coolly offers such crazy comment as, perhaps this being the second year of the war against the Russians, it is a painting of a bear. <laughs> Japan's at war with Anastasia's dad, by the way. Oh no, Anastasia's dad. Yeah, they're going to curb stomp him. Oh yeah, and his family, fair enough. Yeah, oh no, okay. no, the Russians curb stomp his family, but, oh. um, but they curb stomp his He'll get army, his, it's so. okay. <laughs> we know what happens to Anastasia's family. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Is the portrait actually of the cat, or is it the of cat a, thinks it is? Is it of a bear actually? Probably. I probably not. I think going from like the trend of the story, it's more likely that Sneeze is wrong and the cat is right. Well, the the cat has you right where he wants you. Though, well, that's true, I suppose. Um, the cat. Yeah, I mean, we are hearing the cat's version of events. So we don't have sneezes. It's probably a photo of a fucking lion, and he's like, "That's me." And they're both wrong. Everyone's wrong. The person that sent the card is like, "Did you get my lion postcard?" <laughs> and he's just like, "No." <laughs> I got the bear I got one. The bear one. <laughs> my cat thinks he said the cat one, but um. so a second postcard bearing the images of multiple cats okay. engaged in human-like behavior arrives. Oh, like, like one's dancing, one's like flipping pancakes or something. Oh my god! <laughs> um, then Sensei wonders aloud if it is the year of the cat or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> sneeze, sneeze wonders. The cat reflects that his master doesn't grasp these cards, are manifestations of his growing fame. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, don't you see? Don't you see? These are fan mails for me. <laughs> for me. <laughs> the professor. <clears throat> but it's also like. Like something you see in real life where it's like as soon as you get a cat, people think you're a cat person. Everything they get you has fucking cats on it. Oh my god. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, the, the, all of the professor's friends obviously think he's a cat person. <laughs> and he's like, uh, one time I let a cat into my house. Mm. And now it's my whole identity. 
The final postcard has no picture, but a message at the end of it does say, give my fondest regards to the cat. So that's that's explicitly for explicitly, the cat. Explicitly, yeah. Go. Well, the sensei at, li- at last seems to get it, and he looks down at our cat. With what our cat thinks is a new modicum of respect. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, good. <laughs> you see it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you see it, it's me. <laughs> it's always been me. A tinkle of the doorbell announces a visitor. A man named Kangetsu uh, Mizushima, which literally means wintry moon, but oh. is cold moon in the English version. Okay. That's his last name. His Mr. name is like Avalon Cold Moon or something. Oh, okay, that's intense. We'll just call <laughs> yeah. him Mr. Moon. He is a former pupil of Sneeze, uh, who is now a doctoral candidate in physics at the Imperial University of Tokyo. What? He has a broken front tooth and wears a black cotton hari jacket that is too small for him. That's just... He is handsome, but boring. Handsome? He's got a broken tooth and a small-ass jacket. <laughs> yeah, but like... And he's handsome. But he's got a broken tooth and a small ass jacket. <laughs> yeah, well, this is sure. <laughs> Whatever. Scat's wrong. Scat's crazy. Sneeze doesn't like receiving visitors, the shut in that he is, but he admits Cold Moon and asks how he broke his tooth. Cold Moon says that it was eating mushrooms, which Sneeze thinks is stupid. That is stupid. Mushrooms are so soft. <laughs> Cold Moon notices the cat and pays his respects, <laughs> noting that it looks quite plump and that even Rickshaw Blackie couldn't beat him up. Um, so he's obviously grown a bit and put on some weight. What a splendid beast, he says. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and I've written here, we like Cold Moon, because the cat <laughs> likes Cold Moon. How did he break his tooth on a mushroom is what I, I would like to know. know. I don't think he knows. <laughs> Um, he's grown quite big lately, responds my master. This is a quote from the book. And proudly smacks me twice upon the head. I am mm. flattered by the compliment, but my head feels slightly sore. <laughs> Wait, how hard did you <laughs> pat him? Too hard. How hard can you pat a cat where its head will get sore? <laughs> Cold Moon starts telling Sneeze about a concert that he went to, and he remarks that violins tend to sound good when they're in a group, even when played by unskilled players. He's like, they weren't that good, but get three of them together? You'd never know. <laughs> you never know. Barbershop quartets, man. They know what's up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Coldman brags that he managed to get placed at the concert between two women. And Sneeze's Ooh. interest is, uh, is piqued. And he wants to know more about the women. But Coldman plays it cool, appropriately, for his name. Uh, and he's like, oh, nobody. Like, both daughters are good families, though. Just some hatties at the <laughs> symphony. Don't worry about yeah. it. Cold Moon convinces Sneeze to go out with him that night, so Sneeze comes down for breakfast quite late the next morning and gorges himself on rice cakes. So oh my god, someone's well. hungover. Uh, his wife tries to get him to take medicine for his stomach afterwards because he ate so many rice cakes, but he refuses, storms off, and tries to read Epictetus. But then his stomach yeah, hurts. For a bit before giving up, and then he writes in his diary about the geishas he and Cold Moon witnessed playing badminton on their walk last night. Badminton? Yeah. Dope. It's the 1900s. Trains. Like the Wii Sports one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he writes that the geishas were quite fine, but that their faces were plain, and one had a voice like a crow, which ruined the effect <laughs> a bit. The cat says, There is nothing more difficult than understanding human mentality. My master's present mental state is very far from clear. Is he feeling angry or lighthearted or simply seeking solace in the scribblings of some dead philosopher? One just can't tell whether he's mocking the world or yearning to be accepted into its frivolous company. Whether he's getting furious over some pitying little matter or holding himself aloof from worldly things. Nah, he's just <clears throat> slow mm. and irritated. <laughs> Compared- and he needs a Gaviscon. <laughs> <laughs> Compared with such complexities, cats are truly simple. 
If we want to eat, we eat. If mm-hmm. we want to sleep, we sleep. When we are angry, we are angrily, utterly. Angry, utterly. What? <laughs> when we cry, I don't know how to speak. When we cry, we cry with all the desperation of extreme commitment to our grief. <laughs> Thus, we never keep things like diaries. Which is pretty funny because this is basically the cat's diary. I know. I'm just like, excuse me. <laughs> this is literally vampire diaries. For what would be the point, he says. And then later on he says, had I the time to keep a diary, I'd use that time to better effect sleeping on the veranda. <laughs> Man, this cat knows what's up. He really does. Sneeze continues to write that since his stomach is feeling okay and he drank a few cups of sake last night with cold moon, sake must be better medicine than the one his wife wants him to take. Uh, And he'll drink a few cups every evening from now on. Although the cat doubts he'll be able to keep this commitment and recalls a conversation his master had with another professor who said all illnesses came from ancestral and personal malefaction. Oh no. And there's obviously a fronted Sneeze who couldn't help but retort that the famous writer Carlyle was a dyspeptic. And the other guy shut him down by saying, it does not follow that because Carlisle was a dyspeptic, all dyspeptics are Carlisle. <laughs> so it's kind of showing that Sneeze is like proud of his suffering in a way. He's like, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, I know. We've all been that guy. <laughs> We've all been dyspeptic. <laughs> We've all pooped ourselves in public. <laughs> the cat reflects that he can eat anything, um, which stems from his disinterest in raiding fishing shops up distant alleys like Rickshaw Blackie. He therefore has to take his snacks where he finds them, which leads to him trying all sorts of things. Oh my god, a connoisseur. Like pickles. Oh, he loves pickles. Which he thinks are disgusting. Oh, he But at least he had a try. (laughs) But at least he tried it. That's what matters. Exactly. He does like licking red bean jam from the plates of the children. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. Sounds great, actually. Red bean. I always think that. I'm like, literally, house cats have mm. the best, like, lives. They don't even know it. Or maybe they do, based on this book. <laughs> yeah, sounds like he knows it. Like, all they do is sleep and eat and complain <laughs> and poop and pee. Imagine. Just like, imagine. imagine. Like, they, never, they don't have to pay rent. They don't have to pay their own bills. Hang on a second. <laughs> so he, yeah, he likes the red bean jam. But being a cat kept like a clam, like introvert, kept by a clam, like introvert, our cat eschews extravagance and will eat what he can find. And there's some nice looking rice cakes left out on the table. Oh, ho, ho. And there's no one around. Well, wouldn't hurt to have mm. just one. Well, you know, these rice cakes are only made at New Year's. If he passes up the chance to try them now, he'll, he'll, have to, he'll spend the whole year wondering what they taste yeah, like. Just just a taste. Yeah, just one he, kernel. He'd spend the whole year regretting this missed opportunity. Yeah, he'd be like, ugh, remember when I could have tried those rice cakes? Uh, and he learns four truths. So okay. he brings us four truths at this moment, right? Okay. So truth number one, that golden opportunity makes all animals venture to do even things they don't want to do. So if you don't want to do something, but it's the perfect opportunity. But it's right there. It's just right there. It's, it's too good. Perfect time. You've got to, like, if you see underwear hanging out and you don't give someone a wedgie. Like, <laughs> exactly. What even was it all for? It, you don't enjoy it anymore. You don't enjoy they do. it. You're an adult. You don't have to do that. But, but it's the perfect it's opportunity. It's <laughs> right there. <laughs> the second truth. Truth number two. Okay. That all animals can tell by instinct what or what is or is not good for them. 
Okay. So he knows that this is not going to go well for him. <laughs> this is not going to end well. In the end, lowing... So this is a quote. In the end, lowering the entire weight of my body into the bottom of the bowl, I bit about an inch deep into the corner of the rice cake. Most things that I bite that hard come clean off in my mouth. But what a surprise. For I found when I tried to reopen my jaw that it would not budge. Oh no, it's the sticky rice He's cake. He's stuck. <laughs> I try once again to bite my way free, but I find I'm stuck. Too late, I realize... That the rice cake is a fiend. <laughs> the rice cake was a lie cake? <laughs> when, when a man who has fallen into a marsh struggles to escape, the more he thrashes about trying to extract his legs, the deeper in he sinks. Oh, God, he's in quicksand. <laughs> Just so, the harder I clamp my jaws, the more my mouth grows heavy and my teeth immobilized. So he lashes his tail, he flattens his ears, he tries to use his front paws to extract himself. Uh, but nothing works, and it, all it results in is a waste of energy. Oh my goodness. He stands up on his hind legs next, scratching at his face, and do, trying to do this, he ends up prancing madly around on two legs, around the whole kitchen. <laughs> oh, and this is when he arrives at the third truth, which I will now tell you. That in conditions of exceptional danger, <laughs> one can surpass one's normal level of achievement. Uh, as he has just done by dancing around the kitchen on his hind legs. He's like, hey. I don't think any cat's done this before. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Two Someone... legs, huh? <laughs> Up here? Oh, me? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so this is what he says next. Sustained by special provenance, I am fighting for dear life against the demonic rice cake. <laughs> when I hear footsteps. So oh, they no. all find him. Uh, the children find him the funniest. But by general agreement, he says the whole household is having a good laugh. Uh, and then he says, I've already heard and seen quite a lot of heartless human behavior, but never ha before have I felt so bitterly critical of their conduct. <laughs> <laughs> he's so angry. Anyway, they managed to extract him, uh, even though he worries he's going to lose a tooth like Cold Moon. Oh, my God. The mushrooms. <laughs> the rice cakes. And then finally, when they get him out, he arrives at truth number four, which is that all comfort is achieved through hardship. Well, that was a good four lessons to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And he tried the rice cake. He did. And he ha it was the perfect opportunity. Perfect to opportunity okay. to try it. It was New Year's rice cakes. <laughs> to make himself feel better, our cat goes through the gap in the bamboo fence to meet Ms. Tortoise Shell. Oh, ho, ho. Miss Tweet. You recall from uh, beginning. A pretty cat across the way. Uh, who lives nearby, whomst he is madly in love with. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. And she's sitting on the veranda in a smart new collar in celebration oh. of the season. Uh, and our cat says, <laughs> this is pretty cute. The rondra of her back is indescribably beautiful. It is the most beautiful of all curved lines. The way her tail curves, the way she folds her legs, the charmingly lazy shake of her ears. All these are quite beyond description. She looks so warm sitting there so gracefully in her very sunniest spot. <laughs> and her fur, glossy as velvet that reflects the rays of spring, seems suddenly to quiver through the quiver, although the air is still. So he's her. in love with her. Oh. Uh, Wait, does he have a collar? Does our cat have a collar? No, he doesn't even have a name, Sam. But he lives at the family's place. Surely they call him, they just call him Cat, I guess. Yeah. The Cat. The Cat. Yeah. They've got to give him a name and a collar. Like, Oliver and company, he got a collar. He got like a fancy collar. <laughs> anyway, 
she she you know she's pretty well to do she's got a fancy collar and she greets him and she calls him sensei which he likes mm-hmm. she, like uh, in english they translate it to professor oh my god because you know he lives it's in like when people have phds and they're like please call me doctor, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> she's like uh, good morning sensei and she wishes him a happy new year which delights him and he uh wishes her a happy new year too and he says how beautifully you're done up mm-hmm. um in her new the collar her owner, an old widow, pampers her. Uh, she's quite, uh, so the tortoiseshell's quite proud of her mistress. And she remarks that she used to be a person of quite high birth, saying she was, uh, I understand that she's the 13th Shogun's widowed wife's private secretary's youngest sister's husband's mother's nephew's daughter. So she's fucking no one. <laughs> she's, she's like 12 degrees separated <laughs> from anyone who's anyone. <laughs> And our cat tries to repeat this, but gets it wrong. And she corrects him like five times. It's like an Abbott and Costello sketch. <laughs> and I have it here in case you wanted to hear it. But... I do actually want to hear it. Okay, let's do this. We don't have to put it in the podcast, yeah, yeah. but I want to hear it. Okay. The, so he's like the 13th Shogun's widowed wife's. And she's like, right. Private secretaries, right? And she's like, right. Husbands. No, younger sister's husband. Of course. How could how could I? Younger sister's <laughs> husband's. And then she goes, mother's nephew's daughter. Mother's there you are. And he says, mother's nephew's daughter. Yes, you've got it. Not really. <laughs> it's so terribly involved that I still can't get the hang of it. What exactly is her relation to the 13th Shogun's widowed wife? And she's like, oh, but she was so stupid. I've just been telling you what she was. So yeah, that's the sketch. That is, oh my God. I love them. <laughs> They're so cute. I just, I just want to watch a movie of this so I bad. I just want to like watch a live an an- action one where they an like animated cat, an animated one, animated live action's too weird. <laughs> I was thinking like Milo and Otis. I was thinking like Lady and the Tramp remake. Oh, that yeah, that would be cute. No, wait, what? Oh, remake? Yeah, the live action remake. Oh, with like I didn't Te- even know Tessa that Thompson as the yes. <laughs> lady. Okay. And they look really because it's CGI. Yeah, it's so like Lion King. Like yeah, shit. Yeah, and I'm that. like, just let people draw them. <laughs> it's all right. We can connect the dots. They're drawn. She's called back home, but is sad to leave him, Ooh. which makes him feel pretty good about himself. Um, and he runs into Blackie on the way home, who's rude to him and tells him he's stuck up now. <laughs> and he reflects that Blackie doesn't understand that he's a celebrity. Um, but he wishes Blackie a happy new year anyway, you know, because he As keeps good celebrities are yeah. wont to do. <laughs> when he gets home, he notices that Sneeze has a new guest <gasps> who possesses a letter of introduction from Cold Moon, introducing him as a poet named Bochamp Blowlamp. What? Bochamp Blowlamp? <laughs> Bochamp Blowlamp. That's not a name. Um, in Japanese, his name is Tofu Ochi. Tofu? <laughs> yeah. This man has been made up. <laughs> I guess all of this has been made up. Hang on. Genuinely, yeah. Hang on a second. (laughs) You're telling me people just sit down and write lies and sell it to us and we buy it? And then you're telling me that you... Do you you think this had happened? You read these and then you're telling me that we talk about it on the air <laughs> and other people listen to so the governor shogun's nephew widow son <laughs> you're killing me <laughs> has written a book oh of lies <laughs> you tell me this cat isn't real <laughs> the cat is not real oh well for fuck's sake what are we doing here let's go home anyway I said you'd cry but i cried <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I don't blame you. That's unfair that they do that. <laughs> like, it's one thing to lie and say this cat is saying all these things, but then to name someone, even a fake person, Bochamp Blowlamp. <laughs> so this guy wears a hakama and has neatly parted hair. No, no. In the middle? And he's a poet. Yes, in the middle. <laughs> I think. I hate this man. Uh, <laughs> Blowlamp. <laughs> Recounts a dinner that he had with Waverhouse, okay. where Waverhouse was an absolute scallywag, pretending that they wanted moat bells at this Western restaurant, uh, and when they were asked if they meant meatballs, <laughs> I was like, "What are you saying?" He was like, "No, you absolute buffoon! <laughs> moat bells. <laughs> we want moat bells." <laughs> But just imagine yourself as the fucking waiter that has to be like, I'm going to kill myself after this person. Yeah. Like, yeah, they... and it basically goes like that. Did they get meatballs? Um, the restaurant pretended not to know what he was talking about. No, they, the restaurant pretended to know what he was talking about, but gave the excuse that they didn't have the ingredients in for meatballs. <laughs> we don't have the boat medals, I'm sorry. Blowlamp convinces Sneeze to write a letter expressing his approval of Blowlamp's play reading group. They just read plays. Well, um, we just record podcasts about books that are lies, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Only once he tells him that doing so will carry no obligations to actually do anything to help the group or be involved. <laughs> so, so why am I writing this letter? Well, he wouldn't write it unless he doesn't have to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, it's like, I'll endorse you, but that's all. That's it. I'm not going to any fundraisers, I'm not washing any cars, and I'm not reading any plays. So while he's out of the room getting his seal or whatever, Blowlamp steals a piece of cake and crams it into his mouth, nearly choking on it. <laughs> this leads to cat this leads the cat to worry that he's gonna be blamed for the missing cake. Especially, you know, after the previous rice yeah, cake. Yeah, the rice incident. cake incident. He it's is a... the likely suspect. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's got a reputation now. However, Sneeze doesn't even notice that the cake is missing when he comes back. When Blowlamp leaves, Sneeze finds a surprisingly serious New Year's letter from Waverhouse on his desk, explaining that he's way too busy to pay him a visit at the moment. Okay. Normally, Waverhouse's letters are lighthearted. For example, Of late, I am not in love with any woman. I receive no love letters from anywhere. As I am more or less alive, please set your mind at ease. Who is this guy again? <laughs> oh, it's the, it's the it's liar. The, yeah, the pathological it's liar. It's the liar. Yeah. I'm alive, so it's all good. <laughs> Relax. Relax. I'm still going. I'm still course, lying. So this serious letter that's like, I can't come and visit you for New Year's this year. I'm very, very busy. The more he reads this letter, Sneeze does, the more it becomes clear that it isn't serious after all and is, of course, full of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Sneeze is uh, just going through it, getting read left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's about moat bells and peacock's tongues and things. It proceeds to give him a history of the eating of peacock's tongues, Ew. which makes Sneeze grumble that if he had the time to write all this, he really can't be that busy. <laughs> he could have just come over, you know, he could have just said this to my face. But when he gets to the end of the letter uh, and realizes that he's being fucked with, he laughs. He was like, ah, it was worth it. Got that was it. a good yeah. joke. <laughs> exactly. Got me. It was good. It was a good prank. Uh, at first I was like, these guys hate each other. Like, why are they always hanging out? 
And this is the point in the story where I realize the reason they hate each other and the reason they're always hanging out is the same reason. And that reason is they're best friends. <laughs> yeah. Venn diagram. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you just describing us? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So later on in the season, our cat uh, tries to visit his girlfriend again, but he can't seem to find her. <gasps> One day he creeps around her house and overhears a conversation between Tortoiseshell's mistress and her maid. Oh my God. He learns that Miss Tortoiseshell is ill. <gasps> Though they are treating her like a human child, pampering her and trying to book an actual doctor to look at her. Are there no vets in Japan at this point? I have no idea. Uh, he's a bit envious of her for all the attention, but he's also glad that his beloved is being taken care of. <laughs> But then what? they start talking about him. <gasps> they call him a tatty looking Tom and a bad friend. And they accuse him of giving her her illness. What? What is she sick with? I don't know. Maybe rabies. Flu? I don't know. Him? But, uh, uh, they also uh, insult his master, which he can't really fault them for. He's like, you know what? He's up for grabs. He Fair worst, play. Yeah. Um, but he is quite insulted by their remarks about him. Well, oh. <clears throat> I know. Waverhouse, who previously said he was too busy to visit, drops in unannounced. <laughs> he offers Sneeze advice on a piece of writing, uh, and, late, and then later Cold Mood arrives and they have more dumb conversations about stuff that doesn't matter. Yep. Um, and they gossip about Beauchamp a bit, who hates his name being mispronounced, apparently. Is it Beauchamp Blolon? If people call him Beecham. 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 Beecham Blolum. Blolum. Uh, Weatherhouse plays another practical joke on Sneeze when oh he God. sends him a letter that proposes uh, that Sneeze could heal his ailing stomach by taking up the Roman strategy of vomiting after every meal. Oh, he's telling him to be bulimic. <laughs> yeah, but as a prank. As a prank. As a fun little prank. That's a prank. It's okay. It was a prank. <laughs> At the end of the chapter, Ms. Tortoiseshell dies. No. I know. She dies of her sickness. And they blame him for it. For giving it to her. What what proof do they have? None. Not a damn. Did they actually tell the um, sneeze that their cat killed her cat or something? No, no. He just overhears them talking about it. That's so rude. So sad. Like, how, He's heartbroken. Uh, like, his girlfriend's dead. I He's know. been accused of having, like, cat AIDS or whatever. <laughs> giving it to her. Giving it to her. When they've only... They haven't even <laughs> doinked. <laughs> they haven't even kissed. They haven't even kissed. They haven't even <laughs> gone on their first date. And she's just oh dead. God. He hasn't adopted her three kittens. Oh my god. Aristocats. <laughs> yeah. So the third chapter, which start which starts with the announcement of the death of the female cat. No. Marks a shift. So um and then the narrator cat in in like the subjects that the novel is covering, I guess. Um so the narrator states outright that he is inclined to forget he is a cat sometimes. Oh, does so, he? Yeah, like the more sorry with himself, sorry for himself he feels, the less he consorts with other cats and the more human-like his interests are, he says. So this is like the writer's excuse for focusing more on the human drama in later chapters. Than ah, I see. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's a cat, but you know, sometimes cats can be human too. <laughs> yeah, and read humans' thoughts. And, and read stuff. humans' thoughts. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Actually, it actually... It actually does, like, outright just be like, I can read human thoughts, by the way. Why are you asking? Because I'm a cat. Fuck you. <laughs> like, that's... Honestly, that's a good enough reason said. for me. Yeah. Like, I don't need explanation. I don't need context. That's... Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. 
Coldmoon wants to practice his lecture um, for our upcoming symposium uh, on the mechanics of hanging. What? Yeah. He starts off with a history of execution, and then they keep trying to get him back to the subject of hanging. Like, he'll be talking about crucifixion, and they'll be like, wait, where's the hanging? And he's like, I'm getting to that. <laughs> and he really tries to give this lecture, but they keep saying they're bored and to get to the point and telling him to cut stuff. And by the time he starts using equations, he's well and truly done for. And they're like, cut the equations. And he's like, but the equations are the entire point of my lecture. Why is Cold Moon your boyfriend? <laughs> Why is that... Why is that your type? <laughs> I don't know. So later on, once Cold Moon is gone, a woman by the name of Mrs. Goldfield arrives. Uh, but the cat calls her Madame Conk on account of her giant nose. <laughs> wow. I didn't know the cat was anti-Semitic. <laughs> Cancel this cat. Cold Moon is the leading suitor for Tomiko Kaneda, who uh, is, in English is opula goldfield oh so the daughter of this woman and um of a wealthy businessman who lives nearby so her mother this lady madame conk has come to see waverhouse and sneeze uh, in order to attempt to learn more about cold moon <clears throat> instead of just yeah asking. they want to know like if she's worthy of, if he's worthy of her or whatever <clears throat> so it's vitally important to the goldfields that Cold Moon have a doctorate before he can marry their daughter. Well, good thing he is a PhD student. Yeah, well, that's it. At the moment, he only possesses a Bachelor of Science. Not even a Master's? No. So, Sneeze is super rude to Madame Conk. Uh, the cat feels like neither Sneeze or Waverhouse are adequately holding Cold Moon's quarter. <laughs> so he's... Yeah, because oh, yeah, he likes Cold Moon. He likes Cold Moon, yeah. And he's so like, he... guys, you are not doing my guy good. <laughs> Yeah. So he goes to the Goldfield house to spy on them. Perfect. This is where he discovers Opula Goldfield, the daughter who might be betrothed to Cold Moon. She's shrill and arrogant. Oh. She's trying to reserve a theater box on the phone and is being very Karen about it. Well, how else are you going to reserve a theater box? Well, exactly. Phone? Yeah. And they don't, you know, no one has phones, so you'd probably be even more stressed out. Anyway. 1907. Yeah. That's like Downton Abbey. No, that's before Downton Abbey. No. That's like oh, five years before. Yeah, but... Yeah, did they just get the phone? Well, that's the question. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that doesn't matter. I'm anyway. just getting caught up with <laughs> oh the phone. God. It went really deep into that hole. But now we're back. I'm back. I'm out. I'm out okay. of the phone hole. <laughs> out of the phone hole. When the cat returns, he notices how shabby their house, Sneeze's house, is compared to the Goldfield. <laughs> Mr. Goldfield is, of course, a businessman, the owner of a rickshaw garage. Oh. Blackie's dad. Blackie's owner. Owner. So back at... <laughs> dad owner. Dad, I was like... I Happy know. father owner day. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yikes, Sandy. There are cults out there. <laughs> back at Sneeze's house... <laughs> They're making at the Snouse hold. <laughs> Sneeze household. <laughs> They're making fun of the strings on Cold Moon's surcoat for being old fashioned, like something from the Shogunate. And they mentioned that Madame Conk had been to see them, <laughs> thinking to I should say Mrs. Goldfield, that's pretty disrespectful. Well that's what the cat calls her. <laughs> yeah. It's um, his book. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, they mentioned she'd been in to see them, thinking to catch Cold Moon off guard. But he's as cool as a cucumber. And he cold asks as them, a moon. He's cold as a moon. <laughs> Come on, it's right there. And he asks if it was about him marrying the daughter. 
So he, he was already, he was way ahead of them. He knew what was going on. Waver House, not one to be predicted, ignores this and instead starts going on about her giant nose. <laughs> Sneeze joins in, saying that he wrote a haiku about the nose. Oh my god, is the haiku there? <laughs> because they are both the worst, no. Oh. Well, we can, how about 575, right? <laughs> do you want to make, yeah, you do yeah. a haiku about the nose. Huge honkers, but not... <laughs> It's her nose, not her titties. <laughs> Madam Conk, you suck. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> All right. All right. And that was from I Am a Cat. Now that that's which is out a of real the way. book. So yeah, so so they join in uh, about the nose because they're both the worst. This chapter also begins the harassment of sneeze by local residents paid by Goldfield. <laughs> so apparently, like the Goldfields are paying for like. Mr. Sneeze's neighbors to like annoy, like to like be loud at night. And why? Stuff. Why are they know. against Just Sneeze? Like fuck this guy. Why? Why fuck this guy? I don't because because he was rude to Madame Conk when she came. But to wasn't visit. fucking guy rude to Conk as well? The liar. Well, man? Uh, but he he does it in a way where you don't know he's insulting you. You know, um, you know what I mean. When was he outwardly rude to Conk? Because he's the worst. I said when. When? Oh, when she came and visited and she was trying to get information about gold, about cold moon. Cold moon. He wasn't really that rude, though. I guess rude enough to warrant. Oh, no, like, like I didn't put in what he said, but he was, like, rude to her. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, all right. So he's getting pranked by the neighborhood. Uh, The cat relates that he now sneaks into the Goldfield house with regularity. Um, Though not because he is a criminal. Oh, sounds like criminal-like behavior to <laughs> me. Cat. Soon a man called Suzuki arrives to speak with the master. Suzuki was a schoolmate with Sneeze and now works for Goldfield. Oh. Uh, the Goldfields have actually sent him over to try to win Sneeze over. Um, but he just hired the whole neighborhood to annoy me. Why does he want to be... <laughs> but they don't know... But I think they think Sneeze doesn't know Suzuki works for them or whatever. They're like, go. Make him more amenable. Or something. Or find out, no, find out more about Cold Moon from him. Uh, just go to Cold Moon himself. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> Suzuki talks about how great being a businessman is, while Sneeze will have none of it. Suzuki wears a Western-style tweed suit, which shows his more Western modernistic and capitalistic value. Oh, trains, man. Trains, baby. Where the house reads him to filth, or at least he belittles his reason for being there, saying for Cold Moon to marry the Goldfield girl would be like... Uh, for a majestic elephant to marry a squealy piglet. Everyone's on Cold cold Moon's team. Oh my god. He's like Kermit and Miss Piggy? Is <laughs> that what's happening? A Is little that... bit. Oh my god. Oh Imagine my... a Muppet version of this. I know. That but... would be great. Wait. Uh, so if Kermit is Cold Moon... Well, that makes him the protagonist. What's going to happen with the cat? Who's the cat? Who's the cat? Well, it'd have to be a new Muppet cat, right? <laughs> <laughs> or just like a cat from another show. No, you know how like they'll have Muppet movies where they'll be like all Muppets except one human character played by like a really famous actor? Yeah, so it's a famous cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any of it. I personally don't know any famous cats at the moment, but if you give me a second, I'm sure I can look some up. (laughs) But me personally, no. Sorry. (laughs) I bet there's Instagram famous cats. Yeah, of course. There's so many famous cats. Grumpy Cat, who's dead. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Anyway, yeah, I'm sure we'd be able to find a suitable star. Dead. <laughs> oh, it can be like, yeah, like a cat, but with like a voice actor, you know, like oh, a yeah, famous, yeah. Like voice, a famous actor. voice actor. Like, um, who would you cast? To be a voice good actor? like scallywag, rapscallion kind of voice. Oh, um, and it has to be Japanese, or you're canceled. Oh, uh, no. Well, if it's a Muppets movie, I'm uh, going to... Yeah. yeah. You stupid true. bitch. How dare you? You can't cancel me. I'm uncancelable. <laughs> I'm uncancelable. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm going to live forever. <laughs> and I'm never going to be canceled. <laughs> Cut to, like, a newspaper spinning into frame. Like, <laughs> podcast is canceled. Especially the other one. <laughs> it's just a Spider-Man. Police, yeah. So yeah, they're they're all shitting on Suzuki, and 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 calling the Goldfield girl a squealing piglet. Suzuki, who is a slippery, slithery sort of guy, according to our cat, <laughs> he's a slithery. <laughs> uh, manages to wriggle out of the situation and get out of there. So good for him. It is now the spring. Our cat is kept up at night by the wailing of neighborhood cats in heat. Oh no! He's a bit bitter about it. <laughs> Yeah, because the love of his life is dead, and he was blamed for her death. Yeah, well, he says he hasn't yet had the ex- ha- uh, experience. Oh, uh, I've been listening to a virgin this whole fucking time. <laughs> of being in love. Are you serious? <laughs> well, he just says he's never been in love, and I think we all know that's not true, and that he's lying. Is this all? Still, think- he claims he's too tired <laughs> all the time to pursue love. Uh, he comments how his master always makes a point of going to bed with a book. But he manages two pages at the most before dozing off. Oh, Often his he'll poor take... wife. Yeah. <laughs> Often he'll take a book to bed and not even bother to read it at all. <laughs> Just touch it, then he falls asleep. <laughs> like it's a teddy bear. <laughs> uh, the wife and children are snoring, which the cat thinks is incredibly indecorous. You would never find a cat sleeping with its mouth open. <laughs> Boy, won't I? <laughs> Sounds like a challenge for me to open some cat mouths. The cat wanders around the quiet home for a bit until he hears a faint rapping on the wooden shutters. It turns out to be a burglar <gasps> who looks exactly like Cold Moon, <gasps> except without a mustache. What? <laughs> it's actually not Cold Moon. Oh. <laughs> it's just a guy who looks like him. Does he have a broken tooth as well? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's burying his teeth, but this likeness makes the cat wonder about the omnipotence of God. And the cat's like, think about this. If God is a good artist, or is God a good artist because he made all human faces different? Or is he a bad artist because he couldn't make all human faces perfectly the same? Checkmate. Atheist. I'm going to cancel this cat. (laughs) This cat's going to hell. This cat's... I'm going to send this cat to hell. I'll see it down there. (laughs) However, the cat determines that the thief could not possibly be Cold Moon. Uh, the cat reckons Cold Moon is more handsome, though the thief is still pretty handsome. And the cat thinks, well, at least if Cold Moon refuses to marry Opula, she has a pretty good backup option. <laughs> so he's doing all this instead of like alerting Sneeze, like, hey, there's yeah. a fucking burglar in here. He's yeah, like, well, <laughs> well, if God were really. As we're talking. The, the next line is actually that the cat tries to wake oh, up. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Did um, it work? No, it didn't. Yeah. No. Wait, um, what? Did, is Sneeze dead? All he dead? succeeds in doing is alert the thief. 
Um, and so the thief actually gets clothes and an and an ornate box that contains yams. That's what it's. That's what the yams. To get. Yeah, yams. A gift of yams. No Are you less. serious? I'm being serious. He stole a box of yams. <laughs> he did. Are you serious? And you would be upset about it too. No, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy, you, you bitch. Are you serious? A box of yams? Yes. I was being facetious. Like I was being. I was being an asshole because I thought you said a box of yen. And I was like, oh, I'm going to say yams because that sounds like yen. But oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's yams. <laughs> it is. Why would he steal the yams, Sandy? <laughs> That's the point. It's are weird. They, are they like prized yams? Award well, winning yams? Box. It was a gift in an ornate box, so maybe he thought they were more valuable. Than he they thought were. it was yen. He thought it was jewels, <laughs> and it was yams. Nature's jewels. Fuck! <laughs> 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 oh, I'd go for a yam right now. Yeah, same. Like a candied yam. Mm. Oh, some sweet potatoes. Oh on yeah, them. that'd be good. Oh yam. <laughs> <laughs> the cat who sees it all. Oh, is unable to wake the master and the thief is successful. Uh, a man who used to be their houseboy but is now in business with Suzuki named Tatara comes over and he tries to persuade Sneeze to enter business as a more stable career than teaching. He's like, if you got stuff stolen and you're in business, you'd at least have income, you know, coming in. You wouldn't, uh, uh, this wouldn't be such a big loss for you. Uh, the yams were a big loss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How you put yourself in his shoes? <laughs> Imagine if Can they you were your put yams. yourself in his slippers? <laughs> He try yeah, he's, he's like, you should quit teaching and enter business. And Sneeze is like, of course I don't like teaching, but I dislike commerce even more. Um, and then the cat says, my master seems to be a bit uncertain in his own mind. What it is, he does like. He dislikes everything, says Mrs. Sneeze. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm sure he doesn't dislike his wife. Tatara makes an unexpected sally. I well... dislike her most of all. <laughs> my master's comment is extremely terse. <sighs> Um, and at another point later in the conversation, they joke about eating the cat since it's so useless, you know, as to not have woken up uh, them up when the beggar. It was trying. When the burglar came, I should say. At some point, they joke about eating the cat since it's so useless. On a subsequent evening, the cat attempts to prove its worth by catching a rat. Oh, no, he doesn't. He's never done that. I know. And he thinks it's gross. It's yucky. <laughs> And this is what he says. He says, I understand that now for some time, Japan has been at war with Russia. Being a Japanese cat, I naturally side with Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. (laughs) He's so patriotic. Um, I have even been cherishing a vague ambition to organize some kind of cat's brigade, which, if only a scratch formation, could still inflict claw damage on the Russian horn. (laughs) Thus being magnificently, (laughs) magnificently militant. Why should I dither over a miserable rat or two? <sighs> of course, being a very learned cat, he is understandably concerned with fighting a war on multiple fronts. He's like, they might come from the kitchen. They might come <laughs> through a hole in the plaster. <laughs> I don't know why he's talking this way. <laughs> the Russians are coming. <laughs> or or through he's... the plaster wall. So he's trying to find a good vantage point from which to ambush them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so and they this... don't get the yams anymore. Exactly. So this proves to be a well-founded fear. And he has a great deal of trouble getting bitten several times and making so much noise that the master is woken up thinking he's, he is being burgled again. Oh, my God. So he didn't and, wake him up when he was getting burgled. Yeah, and now he's woken up. he was trying to catch up. the rats, yeah. Oh, oh 
And then the cat writes, I am ashamed to confess my failure, (laughs) but against such mean souled adversaries, even the resourceful Admiral Togo would have found himself stumped. (laughs) (laughs) This cat's a fucking jerk. What a little douchebag. What a fucking... I'm gonna see this cat in hell, alright? And a stupid lover, too. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Tortoiseshell herself. Miss Ma'am. Cold Moon is now working on his doctorate, without which, uh, as you'll remember, he cannot marry Opula Gold. Can't marry Miss Piggy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Waverhouse tells him to finish it quickly to keep her from waiting. Cold Moon breaks into his idiot grin, according to the cat, and says, it's unlikely to go by quickly. (laughs) (laughs) That was you doing your thesis. (laughs) Yep. You know who I'm going to cast as um, Compulsive Liar Man? John Torturo. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. The cat says he spoke with measured, with measured seriousness of things he couldn't possibly be, uh, possibly himself be taking seriously. Sorry. <laughs> so I think we're learning that Cold Moon is a little bit of a rascal. A little bit. He's a little bit. <laughs> he says his subject is the effects of ultraviolet rays upon the galvanic action in the eyeball of the frog. Oh my God! Who cares? Because it's 1903 and nothing you do in science has to make sense. That's true. Man, mm. they had it so easy. <laughs> they did. Could literally say they anything. They just electrified things. They just the, ran like they just batteries trains. into things. Yeah, they're like, I put a battery. <laughs> I, I like a shot a watermelon. I put a battery in a horse. Yeah, I put a battery in a horse and it freaked out. <laughs> you, doctor. Science. <laughs> shot <laughs> a watermelon. It's 1903. Yeah. Rode a train. It's pretty cool. His time is so far spent grinding glass balls. With the purpose of creating a perfect sphere to use in experiments to represent a frog eye lens. What? They're like, can't you buy one? Yeah. And he's like, oh no, perfect spheres, are, perfect spheres are purely mathematical concepts that can't be realized in their idealities. Then get the eye. And they're like, so isn't what you're doing impossible then? And he's like, bitch, maybe. Bitch, maybe. Why you make? <laughs> it may. It might be. <laughs> He explains that as he sands down the glass ball, right, to try and get it in the perfect sphere, it goes from the size of an apple to the size of a strawberry, and eventually too small to be of use, and he has to start all over again. Oh my god, this is like reverse (laughs) doing, like, eye makeup, like when you make the wings too big, and you gotta make the other one bigger, then the other one bigger. Exactly. And then pretty soon you're just like, yeah, well, I guess I do love Kiss the Band. (laughs) Just lean into that. (laughs) Ah, yes. And my juggalo side. So he reckons this is probably going to take about 10 years. What? Um, and he says not to worry about the gold fields as he's already explained the situation to them. Later on, Blow Lamp, you'll remember, the poet friend reveals that he has dedicated a book of love poems to Opula. Uh, Miss Piggy. What? I know. Where did that come from? I don't know. Bochamp. This inspires Sneeze to read his poem about the spirit of Japan, which is received positively, even though they don't realize when it's ended. Like (laughs) I love he's like waiting (laughs) for a while. It's still going, I love it. Yeah. Okay, so the cat has decided to start exercising by hunting praying mantises, catching cicadas in trees, pine sliding, which he uh which is a name he has given to sliding running down pine trees. 
Oh. <laughs> um, and walking across the bamboo fence in the backyard. So tight. He's going on. He's going to the gym. He's yeah, exactly. The cat gym. Cat gym. Um, one day after taking some exercise, he follows the sensei to the center, uh, or the public bath, to see what all the fuss of bathing is about. <laughs> and he goes on a long tract about nudity, which is very funny, um, especially the part where he's talking about like Western women wearing evening dresses will like bare their shoulders and necks. Does he think they're sluts? Yeah. yeah. This cat is the worst. It should have been well, thrown in like, the river with those like, other he's cats. like, why is it okay to do that when the sun is down? But as soon as the sun comes up, you have to put, you have to cover your shoulders or you're a slut. What's going on there? What are the nudity rules for humans? Why is this cat Joe Rogan? <laughs> he says, some of you are probably saying that if I am a cat, how have I ever seen European women in evening dresses? And of course I have not. My information <laughs> is good. <laughs> Some guy told the other guy, the governess of Shogun's nephew son, sister, wife. At the center, the cat is shocked to see so many naked dudes. Uh, he describes the baths. One section has a white-colored mineral bath water, Ooh. which is kind of gross, he thinks. Oh. And he learns later they only change the water once a week, which explains it. Uh, a bunch of the men jumping into the bath start complaining that it's too tepid, and they have a bunch of inane conversations. Uh, and eventually someone does heat up the water to the point that everyone starts screaming. Oh my god! <laughs> Are they getting cooked in there? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then one man kind of leaps to the rescue. He stands out amongst the others. The cat describes him as Nietzsche's Ubermensch or as the Demon King oh amongst god. a swarm of devils. And he like takes charge of the situation and gets everyone to pour in cold water and stuff. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> do they just turn off the stove or just put ice cubes in? <laughs> ice cubes. The cat runs home, thoroughly shaken. <laughs> it's like disgusting. Truly <laughs> disgusting. In the following chapter, we learn that the students of the school next door to the master's house, um, the school is called the Hall of the Descending Cloud, Ew. Uh, have been bothering Sneeze lately, uh, possibly on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everyone bothering Sneeze on purpose? Because he's the worst. <laughs> um, they walk through the yard talking loudly and make general nuisances of themselves. They like take shortcuts across his property, you know, because... He doesn't want people to walk on his grass. So these events continue even after a fence has been built between the oh two residents. Oh my god, a fence. So they're just pushing it at this point. At one point, the master forces them to come to his front door if they want to retrieve a lost baseball. He like gets one of the uh, like headmasters or whatever, housemasters down from the school and is like, hey, you're, you're students. Keep walking on my land. And I have their baseball. And then he's like, okay. Every time they want to get their baseball from your field, now they'll have to knock on your door. And they start doing that, but that just bothers him even more. Yeah, because the baseball goes there so many times. <laughs> um, his friend named Sing- Singleman, or Singleman Kid, uh, what? who's, that's his name, <laughs> <laughs> who's a Zen philosopher. What? He encourages Sneeze to take the Zen approach and ignore the students as he pursues mental clarity. Uh, however, oh, next sensei sneeze is described for the first time uh, in the story. Although I did mention earlier what he looks like. You did. Um, his skin is pockmarked. From I know. Childhood smallpox. It turns out he's decided to follow the Zen path after all. Oh, that's good. One week after meeting with Kid, Sneeze receives a letter that he finds deeply profound. From, oh God. From whom? From Kid. Who's Kid? Singleman. The oh. new guy. The Zen guy. <laughs> I thought you said kid, like the guy that threw the baseball in his <laughs> That's not his name. <laughs> well, the cat's also not named, so I, that's just how it is. That's how it is. Okay. 
Okay, from Singleman. Yeah. What's so Waverhouse later informed Sneeze that it was written by a man dr- driven mad following kids' teachings. Oh, it's not from Kid. Oh my god. It's from someone that Kid messed with or something. What? Why is Sneeze getting his hate mail? <laughs> I don't know, but, but Waverhouse <laughs> continues to discredit Kid for a while. Soon, uh, a detective arrives at the house with the court burglar. Oh. In tow. Yeah, the police got him. Uh, and sneezes to head to the police station the next day to pick up the re- recovered stolen the items. Yams. Although they they can't return the yams. The yams are what everything Why? except the yams, unfortunately. Where are the yams? I think the yams may have been digested. <gasps> While sneezes is gone, the cat describes some of the oddities of the three children. Um, of the who? The the three children. So he's talking oh. about like the baby wants to tell a story. I thought you said three children. I'm like, where are we going now? <laughs> three children. Yeah, you know. how... Sneeze is a father. I forgot. Honestly. So does he. I am. <laughs> He's like, bitch, me too. <laughs> All right, what's up with these kiddos? Yeah, well, like the baby really uh, wants attention. Well, it's a baby. Threatens to uh, tantrum if she doesn't get to tell her stories and stuff. This is all in the context of a cat. Um, Yuki, Yukie, who is Sneeze's niece, has arrived. Um, and then has kind of sat down with a conversation for a conversation with Mrs. Sneeze and like the. The girls all come around and she like tells them stories and stuff. She's a bitchy little teenager. I've written here without much respect for her uncle. It appears well, she sounds like a little fucking dope, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm on her side for <laughs> sure. Uh, it appears she already knows how to, how to manipulate men pretty well. She recounts how she got her uncle to buy her an umbrella by pretending she didn't want it. Perfect. She's like, no, don't buy it for me. I don't want it. And he's like, you need it. <laughs> and she's like, I want it. <laughs> When Sneeze returns, one of his student or students arrives. The student has an enormous head. <laughs> That's not relevant to the story, but the cat wants us to know. Um, <laughs> so it is relevant. It'll be it'll be mentioned later. It'll be in the pop quiz. Chekhov's big head. <laughs> and he's a bit worried that uh, he's a bit worried because he and his friends have just pulled a prank oh, on no. Opula Goldfield. Sending her a fake love letter as a joke because she's so up herself. Oh, no. But he's worried because they put his name on it. What? So Sneeze's name? No, no, no. The, uh, the kid's name. That's why he's worried he's going to get caught. Oh. <clears throat> why are they going to Sneeze? What's he going to do for Well, him? Sneeze is his teacher. So he's like, can you help me? Can you keep me from being expelled? Um, <laughs> no. And Sneeze is like, maybe. Go away. Cold Moon arrives soon after, however, and Sneeze offers him no comfort. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Sneeze offers the boy no comfort. Of course not. I'd be surprised if he did. <clears throat> so for the final chapter, uh, all our Avengers are assembled. We've got Singleman, Waverhouse, Bochamp, Blowlamp, Cold Moon, and Sneeze. <laughs> all our Avengers. <laughs> you can't just say that and expect people to move on. You can't. You can't. You're, you're attracting controversy. You're being... Oh, you're being, what is that word? What am I being? Oh, hang on, I'll get it. Controversial. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I hope you guys had fun listening to <laughs> a cat dig around the litter box for like two hours. Apparently, <laughs> the sad little. <laughs> um, okay, Avengers oh have assembled. Yeah, so they're all here. Um, Waverhouse and Singleman are playing Go. Waverhouse is very bad at it. Mm-hmm. And the Good. cat thinks the whole thing is stupid. He doesn't get it. It's like, why are there squares and, and, and stones and things? 
Um, Cold Moon brings some dried fish from his hometown, which he recently visited, and apologizes that they were they had been nibbled by rats Ew. on the boat ride over. Well, don't fucking give them to me then. <laughs> yeah, just throw them out, bro. Oh, we'll <laughs> eat around the bites. How he had to like sleep with them in the bed next to him so the rats wouldn't eat them. We'll we'll eat around the bites. We'll cut off the bite marks. <laughs> and then he was like, I also had to because he put them in his violin case. Ew. Well, something the fish is in his violin case, and he had to sleep with a violin. That's... Anyway, so then that that goes that takes us into the part of the uh, conversation onto the subject, uh, where Cold Moon decides to tell an interminable story about how he, how he purchased a violin. Why? But everyone hates the story, and he fails to get to the part where he plays it for the first time. Oh, Cold Moon! God, he's so bad at <laughs> he's this. So he's bad. so bad at preamble, isn't he? <laughs> he's oh. so, <laughs> he's the with worst. With the hangings and the frog lamps. Yeah, he's the worst hype man. Like he's playing himself. <laughs> like that. Uh, he's like, and that leads me to a uh, little bit of story for you. <laughs> This is a man. You, like this one. you know what this is? This is a man who would do like close up magic, but try to work it into like everyday conversation, and and it never quite Cold like moon. works out. Yeah. Yeah, he's like talking about. Um... He always has like scarves up his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about how he like how he couldn't buy the violin because he was afraid of being seen buying the violin by his classmates, so he had to wait till nighttime to go to the shop. But he... <laughs> but it would have been closed, the violin <laughs> Well, at shop. least so he had to be before it closed, but after nighttime. And then he keeps going outside and looking up, and the sun's still in the sky, so he eats some dried persimmons and, like, goes back in, and he repeats this process time and, he's and time missed and time so again. much class. And they're like, we are so impatient for you to finish the story. And he's like, now you know how I felt about getting my violin. <laughs> I was impatient to get it, you see. <laughs> you see, you see. It's like you were the persimmons all along. <laughs> and maybe I am a good storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe someone will listen to me play my violin, yes? <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, he doesn't even get to the part where he plays it for the first time. Um, so the conversation kind of rambles on and on. They discuss the future of the world. Um, they think that the rise in individuality will result re- result in the destruction of the marriage institution. Well, were they wrong? <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> and they also conclude that in the future, everyone will commit suicide. Well. To the extinction of the human race. Are they wrong? <laughs> uh, Cold Moon, out of nowhere announces that he's decided to quit his PhD. <laughs> his impossible PhD. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure he chose because it was impossible, so he wouldn't have to do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, so everyone is shocked. They're like, but you won't be able to marry the Goldfield girl if you don't have a PhD. He doesn't want to marry Miss Piggy. Much to everyone's surprise, he reveals that he has already married a girl from his hometown. <gasps> The fish he had brought had actually been from the wedding. <laughs> oh, wedding fish. Wedding fish. Sweet. <laughs> Can I play my violin? A minor character enters. Uh, his name's Sampei. Um, a minor character. <laughs> well, he literally just shows up in this final chapter. Uh, he's a former houseboy of the Kushami household, the Sneeze household, I should say. Uh, and he enters to announce his engagement to Opula. Oh, hey. So it's unresolved. He asked Cold Moon to write some violin music for the wedding, and he agrees. 
Uh, I think uh, Waver House tries to be like a go-between for the bride and groom, but apparently they've already got one. So he's like, fine, I guess I'll just come as a regular guest. <laughs> fine, I guess I won't be directly involved. <laughs> he asks Sneeze to attend. Sanpei asks Sneeze to attend and Sneeze just refuses. <laughs> he's like, I don't, I don't think it will go. <laughs> I don't want to. Mm, nope. I thought about it and I just, I just don't want to. <laughs> Um, the people who have gathered, so all our Avengers, as it were, uh, drink beer in celebration. Uh, Sampei's brought a bunch of bottles of beer over. Okay. He's brought over an engagement announcement <laughs> and some beer. Yeah, Why is like, everyone at Sneeze's house all the time? Is that the go-to place? I don't place? know. It's Seinfeld. I don't know. Yeah. They're literally all in this one apartment yeah. always. They're just walking in And then there's three kids there and a wife that never gets <laughs> fucked. Like, I can't believe it. No, it is like, so, there was, there's a point in the story where they're like, Sneeze, uh, with the cat's like sneeze was a terrible host he never gr- went to greet people at the door um you know or welcome them into his house or like pay attention to and the fact yet that they'd they still the go there all the well, time well no but that's it but way the house was a terrible guest <laughs> who ah. would just walk into a house but what about everyone invited. else all the avengers are there so it's like that's why they're best friends <laughs> so yeah so cold moon's married goldfield girl about to be married and they'll have a drink together in celebration. So continuing his tendency to dry human food, the cat sips at the remaining beer. Ooh. He sips two glasses. He's like, I get it now. Oh my God, he's drunk. <laughs> he's drunk. Uh, and his intoxication makes him want to go for a walk. He's like, I'm going to open a restaurant. It's going to be good. We're gonna... <laughs> oh my goodness. Although because he is drunk. And I should say, this is the last chapter. He falls into a rain barrel and unable to claw his way to the rim. You fucking cunt. Are you serious? I'm not. I'm not kidding. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah, No. Don't finish it. (laughs) Didn't happen. Don't know what happened. I'm so sorry. No. I don't know what happened. That's (laughs) cool. He opens a restaurant in New York in Hell's Kitchen. I've got the last paragraph here. Me. Do you want to hear what the cat's last words are? Fuck, I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm going to open a restaurant. <laughs> he says, gradually, I begin to feel at ease. I can no longer tell whether I'm suffering or feeling grateful. It isn't even clear whether I'm drowning in water or lolling in some comfy room. And it really doesn't matter. It does not matter where I am or what I'm doing. I simply feel increasingly at ease. Through death, I'm drifting slowly into peace. Only by dying can this divine quiescence be attained. May one rest in peace. I am thankful. I am thankful. Thankful, thankful, thankful. And that is the end of the story. It's kind of sad. What the fuck, Sandy? (laughs) What the fuck is your problem? I'm sorry. (laughs) How dare you? How could you? Um. No, and who gave you the right <laughs> to do this? He dies? <laughs> <laughs> he gets drunk and then he drowns? Yeah, yeah. Is this a cautionary tale for to- drunk driving? <laughs> he, what is he, the... He just goes to cat heaven or cat... Cat, cat hell. That, that, okay. Cat it's hell, that's right. It's so. sad that he's he died, but he's going to hell. <laughs> that cat's a turd. <laughs> yeah so that's it that's the end of the story maybe he didn't want to write anymore so he had to kill off his main character 
He's like, I feel like I've gotten all the comedy I can out of these guys. Out of this cat. this cat. This cat's old news. <laughs> Time um, to write so about it. apparently it actually did start as a short story. Like, it was just the first chapter. And then they were like, you should serialize this. So that's why he kept on, like, adding chapters and adding chapters. But they all kind of functioned as discrete little stories. Yeah, you, you do get mm-hmm. a sense of that with the escapades mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, except at the point when they get to Cold Moon, who's going to marry Opula. Like, that plot line goes yeah. across multiple chapters. So Then it becomes a series. Oh. So what what is this story trying to tell us? So much, I feel like. What? Uh, I think it's telling us that uh, in the future... <laughs> everyone's going to kill themselves. Everyone's going to kill themselves. <laughs> Amongst other things. Amongst other At things. All. But definitely including that. Yeah. He dies? He dies? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> I'm a cat, voiced by... I was a cat. Ben Affleck. You were a cat? No, that's what the book should be. I was a cat. Spoilers! <laughs> Misleading book title. <laughs> I continue to be a cat in hell. <laughs> in cat hell. I have been. A cat. <laughs> I once was a cat. <laughs> Oh my god. Once upon a cat. Once upon a cat. Well, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Check us out on uh, Instagram at a literature. I I don't think that's what it's called. No. (laughs) But if you look up a literature, it might. It it could show up. (laughs) It would show up. It might. It might (laughs) probably show up. It will most probably maybe. You can can scroll down if you need to. (laughs) But it will maybe be there. Yeah. Probably. Hopefully. Well, sayonara. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew, I'm sorry. Sorry, Yara. has begun <laughs> brothers rise up cats of the world unite um you have nothing to lose but your chains 